0: That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. Welcome to the First Pitch
1: Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com, your daily morning podcast, updating you on everything you need to know to win your fantasy baseball league. Here's your host, Jake Crumpler. What's up, fellow fantasy managers? Welcome back to another episode of the First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com. My name is Jake Crumpler, and it's the weekend, so as always, I'll be taking over for Bubba as the host of the weekend editions of the podcast. You can follow me at Jake Crumpler on Twitter and can find all of my work at CrumplerBaseball.com. Let's dive into everything baseball-related from Saturday, June 2nd. As always, we'll kick it off with the transactions, injuries, news, and notes from around the league. Our IL placement starts off with outfielder Lars Newtbar of the Cardinals being placed on the 10-day IL with a lower back contusion. It likely won't keep him out too long, but it's unfortunate considering he missed a few weeks to start the season as well. We need more Newt. However, the consolation prize is pretty enticing. MLB's number one prospect Jordan Walker has been recalled and will replace Newtbar in the outfield. Earlier this year, he tied the record for the longest hit streak to start a career before his demotion so he definitely has a lot of potential in his bat it took him a while to get things going again in triple a but in his final 15 games he batted 311 with three home runs he should be universally rostered in fantasy starting pitcher Cal Quantrill hit the 15 day IL with right shoulder inflammation Quantrill's underlying metrics have finally caught up to him this year leading to a 5-6-1 ERA and a sub 13% strikeout rate so there's little guarantee that a rotation spot will be waiting for him upon his return especially with Tristan McKenzie expected to return on Sunday. Starting pitcher Aaron Savali was activated from the 15-day IL in a corresponding move after recovering from a strained left oblique. He looked great in his return tossing five scoreless innings, allowing just four hits and two walks with four strikeouts. He induced eight whiffs and a 33% CSW, so it's good to see Savale back. The ace of the Red Sox, Chris Sale, hit the 15-day IL with left shoulder inflammation. The Red Sox are hopeful this is a minor injury, but we won't see Sale for at least a couple weeks. Corey Kluber was reinstated from the paternity list to take his spot in the rotation. And the last injury we have is designated hitter Nelson Cruz of the Padres being placed on the 10-day IL with strained right hamstring. Cruz hasn't been much of a fantasy asset due to his limited role this year on the short side of a platoon. However, this is more so about the corresponding move that accompanied this transaction. Third baseman Manny Machado was reinstated from the 10-day IL after missing time with a fractured left hand. His first month and a half was less than stellar so we'll be hoping to see machado return to form after the extended absence this is a guy that was a perennial mvp candidate so it could be a fun summer in san diego in terms of transactions we had a trade the pirates traded relief pitcher robert stevenson to the Rays for shortstop aliko williams stevenson has pitched to just a 4.91 era for his career and a 5.14 mark this year but his underlying metrics are pretty interesting he ranks in the top 10 amongst relievers in csw percentage thanks to one of the best swing and miss sliders in the game the Rays will surely turn him into a dominant force he'll likely lead the team in saves for the rest of the year or something crazy like that to get him though the Rays had to give up one of their supplemental first round picks from 2020 Alika Williams is a right-handed hitting 24 year old shortstop who was batting 237 with five homers and three steals at double a this year he likely won't be an impactful fantasy asset this year but it'll be interesting to see who wins this trade in the end PS it's probably going to be the Rays the White Sox activated two veterans from the IL, as second baseman Elvis Andrus returned from the 10-day IL after dealing with a left oblique strain, and starting pitcher Mike Clevenger returned from the 15-day IL after dealing with right wrist inflammation. Neither has lived up to their offseason contracts that they signed with the White Sox. Andrus is 50% worse than league average, according to WRC+, Plus, and Clevenger has pitched to a 4.5 ERA with a 19% strikeout rate. The former Andrus looks to be demoted to a bench role and won't be the starting second basement anymore while the latter Clevenger returned to the rotation on Friday and was actually surprisingly effective. He tossed five scoreless innings, allowing just three hits and a walk while striking out six. He had 15 whiffs and a 44% CSW, which earned him the King Cole on the day. So that's pretty interesting. Maybe the break gave him just what he needed to get back on track, but that'll be something to monitor. Starting pitcher Brian Wu of the Mariners will have his contract selected. Today, the team's number six prospect, according to MLB Pipeline, has been dominating AA to the tune of a 2.05 ERA with a 34 percent strikeout rate across 44 innings he thrives on his fastball similar to recent call up bryce miller and he'll display that heavily in his debut today against the rangers it's a really tough matchup and it's usually best to not start rookie starters in their debut so put him on your watch list or just stash him for now but he's definitely somebody that's had success recently and the mariners are known for their pitching development starting pitcher marco gonzalez is expected to be placed on the 15 day il in a corresponding move we also got Some good news as first baseman John Singleton will be recalled by the Brewers today if that name sounds familiar. He's in that same boat as like Scott Kingery or Evan White as someone that was extended before making their debut and then never lived up to the hype. Singleton always struggled with strikeouts and that's what held him back throughout his late minor and early major league career. Now he's 31 and he's striking out less than he has since he was in A ball as an 18 year old back in 2010. The DH role is barren for the Brew crew right now because of a slew of injuries leaving open the possibility that John Singleton might finally get his chance to shine. The same can be said for first baseman Mike Ford, who had his contract selected by the Mariners. He's 30, but he's mashing at AAA to the tune of 13 home runs and a 143 WRC plus across 49 games. He's also cut his strikeout rate. He's cut that down to a level we haven't seen since 2017 from him. And he should have the strong side of the DH platoon in hand in Seattle if he can maintain anything close to that pace right now. And the last transaction we have is starting pitcher Michael Grove is expected to be activated from the 15-day IL to start for the Dodgers. Today, his brief stint to start the year was unsuccessful as he pitched to an 8.44 ERA, but he'll look to have more luck the second time around after recovering from a groin injury. He'll take on the Yankees in return. That's definitely someone to watch, but definitely not an immediate ad. In terms of news, we have one bit. The Cardinals plan to keep starter Matthew Liberatore in the rotation for the rest of the season, or at least for the time being. He will start on Tuesday with Steven Matz transitioning into a bullpen role. Now we'll take a look at the notable performances from around the league. A day in which we had 14 games. Well, there were 15 scheduled, but the game between the Rays and Red Sox was postponed. We'll start it off with our hitters, leading off with Nick Castellanos in Washington as his team lost despite Castellanos' best efforts. He went four for five, scoring twice with a pair of long balls, a double, five RBI, and a steal. So he had the two socks and a shoe. Pretty impressive from him. He's up to seven home runs and three steals now. It's in a huge bounce back campaign for Cassianos after his performance cratered in his debut season in philly despite that and his big game on friday i'm still skeptical of his return to form he's sporting an unsustainable 395 babbit that will likely drag his batting average down to around 260 when it comes back to earth additionally and contrary to what his pair of bombs on friday suggest his power hasn't fully returned as he owns his worst X slug since 2016 outside of last year's disaster. The silver lining, however, is that he looks much better than last year, but I just don't think it's going to last. This might be the ideal time to sell high before Castellanos' bat eventually craters in the coming months. Mookie Betts also had a big game versus the Yankees. He sort of copied Castellanos, socking two home runs and stealing a base of his own. He went a perfect four for four, scoring twice with three RBIs and a walk. He's up to 15 home runs and three steals now. The second home run was pretty spectacular as it traveled 107.4 miles per hour off the bat, but the first one was crazy as he blasted at 110.1 miles per hour. So that was a complete laser. Mookie has transformed into more of a power hitter as his career has worn on, but it was nice to see him incorporate the speed component that has become almost obsolete from his game this year. The power is legit as well as he owns the highest barrel rate of his career since his MVP 2018 campaign. Hitting a top of the Dodgers lineup ahead of Freddie Freeman will also pay... Plenty of dividends for Betts all year. The runs will be a plenty as he's back to walking often as well. Betts may never reach the days of being a 30-30 threat that would bat near 300 as he was back in that aforementioned 2018 season. But an on-base machine with 40 home run power and some chip and stolen bases in a powerhouse lineup is definitely first-round caliber in the majority of leagues. Lastly, we have Josh Donaldson in Los Angeles on the opposite side. He returned from the IL with a bang, two bangs as a matter of fact. So he went two for four, scoring twice with a pair of homers and three RBI. He's up to three home runs now, and boy, were they long balls. The second one traveled 418 feet with a 108 mile per hour exit velocity, but the first one was impressive. It traveled 446 feet, which was the furthest hit ball of the day, and it had an exit velocity of 111 miles per hour, which was the fourth hardest hit ball on Friday. He missed all but the first week of the season with a hamstring strain and leg injuries have always been his Achilles heel, but if the time off was enough to get him back to full strength, it certainly showed on Friday. His first year in pinstripes was a disaster as his plate discipline metrics all went in the wrong direction and he failed to hit the ball with as much authority as he did in the past. He was famous for watching or missing plenty of pitches down the middle. It's fair to speculate that if in his late 30s, that father time and his litany of injuries had finally caught up to him, but I wouldn't count him out just yet. If Friday was any indication, we could get a Donaldson looking for revenge on the league that made him look washed last year. It's hard to take anything from such a small sample, but the Yankees will continue to bat him in the middle of the lineup if he can regain his form. He batted fifth on on Friday, but if you'd like a breakdown of all of the notable hitting performances from Friday, make sure to check out the daily batter's box article over on pitcherless.com. Now we'll head to the mound and look at the starters that had notable performances on Friday, kicking it off with Edward Cabrera versus the A's. He earned the win, going six scoreless innings, allowing just four hits and a walk while striking out 10. He had 18 whiffs and a 38% CSW across 95 pitches. Those 18 whiffs were the most in the majors on the day, earning him the gallows pole. He had a great feel for his changeup in this one, earning half of his whiffs, nine with that pitch and racking up 58% CSW. However, his pass ball going for just 16% CSW is indicative of why Cabrera was such great stuff that his season-long numbers aren't appealing. Cabrera has no control and struggles to throw strikes. It has led to an abhorred 14% walk rate that is among the worst in the majors. Other than the control issues, Cabrera, though, is exceptional across the board. Without throwing more pitches in the zone, however, Cabrera's ceiling will be forever limited, but I have faith that the Miami pitching development will help him figure it out out one day. It may be happening right now as Cabrera has walked one batter or less in four of his past six starts, but the inconsistency is still there. We'll see if Cabrera can keep the walks under control in his next outing versus the Royals. Zach Wheeler didn't have the best outing in Washington as he was lucky to walk away with a no decision. He tossed just three and two thirds innings, allowing eight hits and seven earned runs with just one walk and three strikeouts. He had nine whiffs and a 22% CSW. He was unable to miss bats as his fastball got battered around and his slider couldn't land in the zone. Coming off a 12 strikeout performance in Atlanta his last time out, it felt like this start against a weak offense would be a breeze, but herein lies the problem with Wheeler in 2023. He's been unable to maintain consistency from start to start. While he has five starts of one run or less this season, he also has four starts of four runs or more. It all relies on the success of his fastball, which is in the top 5% of the league in CSW, but came in at just 15% on Friday. He's not really exhibiting the same command he has in years past either. However, his underlying metrics look great across the board and some nights pitchers just don't have it. I'd expect Wheeler to get back on track in another cushy matchup against the Tigers next time out. And lastly, we have Fromber Valdez versus the Angels as he earned the win, tossing seven scoreless innings, allowing just five hits with one walk and seven strikeouts. He had 13 whiffs and a 33% CSW across 92 pitches. Fromber won the battle against Shohei on Friday. His sinker stole called strikes while his curve and cutter induced whiffs, and the changeup took a backseat. Valdez was in the Cy Young conversation last year due to an unprecedented streak of quality starts, but coming into this season, it was widely accepted that he would regress and that his ceiling was limited because of his walk rate and his reliance on balls in play. It led to a perennially inflated whip that kept him from entering the upper echelon of starters. Well, guess what he's done this year? He's maintained his unmatched ability to induce grounders while slashing his walk rate to a minuscule 5.1%. It was at 96 for his career entering the season. Oh, and he's figured out how to punch batters out as well, striking them out at the highest rate of his career. And as one of the league's preeminent innings eaters, there's really nothing Valdez can't do right now. He will be firmly in the AL Cy Young conversation throughout the season, and I don't expect anything to change as he heads to Toronto for a difficult matchup with the Blue Jays next time out. But if you'd like a breakdown of every single start on Friday, make sure to give the Plus Pitch Podcast a listen and check out Nick's daily starting pitcher roundup on pitcherlist.com. Now we'll head to the bullpen and look at the relievers that got saves and the closers that pitched outside of save situations or blew their saves. The guys that got saves, we'll start it off with Felix Bautista, who got his 15th save, which puts him second in baseball. Mark Leiter Jr. got one for the Cubs. Is he the closer? It's still hard to tell, but he does lead the team in saves. Jordan Romano nabbed a save. Bryce Wilson also got one but that was in the 11th inning. David Bednar also got a save. Will Smith got one as well. Justin Lawrence, who took over for Daniel Bard after he put the tying run in the on-deck circle, earned one. Is this a changing of the guard, as we didn't see Pierce Johnson in this one? Johan Duran needed five outs to get his save. He topped out at 104.6 miles per hour with his fastball. We also saw Kendall Graveman get a save. And I think the White Sox are just taking it easy on Liam Hendricks right now. And lastly, Miguel Castro got a save. Our closers to pitch outside of save situations or blow their saves. Alexis Diaz pitched in the ninth inning of a tie game. And Kyle Finnegan allowed an inherited runner to score but ended up earning the win. But if you'd like a rundown of all of the notable relief pitcher outings on Friday, make sure to check out the daily reliever ranks article over on PitcherList.com. But before we look forward to today, we're going to take a quick break.
0: Fads come and go and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom has created weight management programs that are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. So stop chasing health trends and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today.
1: Now we'll send it over to the wonderful Mark Paquette with the weather. Thanks, Jake. Well, looking at today, we have a couple trouble areas. One's going to be in Minnesota. There's going to be some showers and thunderstorms around. Boston's going to be really chilly, wind off the ocean. There's going to be some or showers around there. Uh, they should be able to play there. Um, D.C., just a few spotty showers, and um, that's about it. And getting back to Minnesota, this is a postponement threat, but it's not like a f- automatic fade. So keep that in mind as you're looking at your roster's today have a good one and back to you Thanks, Mark. Now we'll look forward to Saturday, June 3rd, a day in which we'll have a full slate of 16 games as we'll have a doubleheader between the Rays and Red Sox. My matchup of the day is Sonny Gray of the Twins versus Logan Allen of the Guardians. Gray has been one of the best pitchers this year, and Logan Allen is one of the up-and-coming youngsters that has been having a lot of success this year. In terms of probable starters, we have five guys in the auto-start tier, including Sonny Gray. We also have Spencer Strider in Arizona, Garrett Cole in Hollywood, Christian Javier versus the Angels and you Darvish versus the Cubs. We have five guys in our probably starts tier and nine in our questionable starts tier where we'll find our streamer of the day in Luis Medina of the A's against Miami. He's not been super great this year, but he's definitely one of the better pitchers on the A's and the Marlins lineup isn't super threatening. I'd also keep an eye out for Jose Barrios in New York. He's been sort of on a roll across his last few starts. And I'd also like Graham Ashcraft versus the Brewers as that lineup is not at full strength right now. In terms of hitter suggestions, I would say Rangers hitters versus Brian Wu in his MLB debut. They're the best lineup in baseball facing a guy making his big league debut. And I think Leody Tavares is an interesting option as he was on fire in the month of May. I'd also keep an eye on Yankees hitters versus Michael Grove in his return from the IL. IKF, Isaiah Kineferlefa, and Willie Calhoun have been on fire while we might be witnessing the resurgence of Josh Donaldson. So those are all guys I would consider. And we'll close things out with our relievers to watch. Jordan Romano has pitched in back to back games, so Eric Swanson should get the call, but there's a shot it's Nate Pearson or even Tim Mesa if lefties are due up in the ninth. Kyle Finnegan has thrown almost 60 pitches across the last three days. However, setup man Hunter Harvey has also thrown 50 during that time. If Harvey isn't out there and Carl Edwards Jr. is resting as well after throwing more than 40 pitches of his own during that time, Mason Thompson would be the next man up. And lastly, Mark Leiter Jr. has pitched in three of the past four days, but so has setup man Adbert Alzolay. so we could see Michael Fulmer or Brandon Hughes in the ninth 9th depending on matchups but that'll do it for today's episode of the First Pitch Podcast. Make sure to head on over to pitcherless.com to check out all the great articles and features we have on the site, including fantastic player pages and daily DFS suggestions. Join PL Pro to gain access to the Discord to interact with Pitcherless staff such as myself and members of the community as well as to utilize the in-season tools to help you win your leagues. That'll wrap up this edition of the podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Jake Crumpler. Tune in tomorrow and every day for a new installment of the podcast and make sure to enjoy the day as we are blessed with another
0: day of baseball this has been the first pitch podcast brought to you by pitcherlist.com if you enjoyed today's episode
1: rate us on itunes follow us on twitter at pitcherlist and help support what we
0: do by joining our discord with pitcherlist plus at pitcherlist.com slash plus